Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons. Hopefully, everybody had a wonderful, safe, and relaxing Memorial Day weekend. Uh, we've got a good news show for you today. I've got a few topics we're going to cover. We're going to talk about uh, the, you probably saw this on the news, the Amazon Echo story uh, about the Amazon Echo device that apparently recorded a rather private conversation and sent it to a seemingly random person. We're going to talk about what that was and why that really happened and how worried you should be. Uh, we're going to also talk about uh, the EFF has added a great new feature to its Privacy Badger plugin, something we've uh, recommended many times on the show. We're going to talk about that and the the really tricky feature that they are uh, tracking feature from Facebook that they are defeating now. We'll talk about that. Uh, also, researchers have found a way to crash your computer just by playing certain sounds. And I will tell you why maybe you shouldn't be yelling at your computer. <laughs> Uh, and finally, we're going to talk about some uh, free VPN services and why uh, they're really not so much of a P in the, in the VPN. That is, the virtual private network isn't terribly private. We'll tell you about that and, uh, and more. All right, so first up, this was all over the news, of course, because it was kind of sensational. And uh, we all had private fears that these really cool new Amazon Echo devices that we're all getting, these little... Uh, the echoes and the echo dots and these things that listen to our commands and, you know, give us the weather and the sports and uh, news and, you know, even automate things in our homes. That's very cool. It's very neat that it's voice commands. But of course, you got to realize then you've got a microphone in your house that is constantly listening to you. And we talked about this a little bit with Patrick Wardle, who was on the show, who was an ex-NSA hacker. Um, and we talked a little bit about you know, just how secure these things are. But this is the story that we were all afraid was going to hit the news that happened recently. So basically there was a couple that were having a conversation. It was a private conversation. I don't think necessarily a uh, embarrassing conversation, but nonetheless, they were not talking to Amazon's echo. However, there was an echo in the room and that echo managed to somehow record some of that conversation and send it to a contact. Um, one of their contacts from their contact list and they know this because the contact called them and said, hey, stop talking right now. Go unplug all of your Amazon Echo devices. And he's like, what? And the guy is like, I just heard a conversation from you. And the guy's like, no, you didn't. And then the guy started repeating what they were just talking about. The guy's like, oh, my God. And he goes in and unplugs all of his Echo devices. So it did happen. Uh, this Amazon Echo device was in this people's home. And somehow managed to record something and send it to somebody they they knew. And here here's here's what happened. So according to Amazon, let me redo Amazon statements. It says, now I, I'll warn you, if you have an Amazon Echo device at home, I'm going to say the A word here at some point. So they're probably going to wake up and say, huh? Um, which is actually kind of the part of the problem. So <laughs> anyway, uh, I will replace the A word with Echo wherever I can. But anyway, here's Here's the, the quote from Amazon on how exactly this happened. Quote, Echo woke up due to a word in the background conversation sounding like Alexa. Then the subsequent conversation was heard as a send message request, at which point Echo said out loud, to whom? At which point the background conversation was interpreted as a name in the customer's contact list. Echo then asked out loud, contact name, right? with the contact name being the, the person they thought that they heard. Echo then interpreted background conversation as right. As unlikely as this string of events is, we are evaluating options to make this case even less likely. Unquote. Okay, so let's unpack that a minute. So basically what they said was 
these Amazon devices, these Amazon Echoes, are always listening. However, they're not always sending your recordings out to the cloud, out to out to Amazon. So it's basically it's not a it's not a bug in the traditional sense that it is always listening and always sending your recordings up to the cloud, up to Amazon. However, there is a dedicated little bit of hardware built in to each of these Amazon Echoes whose sole purpose is to listen for that wake word, to listen for that A word that I'm going to try not to say. Um, when that word is spoken, it flips a switch, and then it starts recording, and then it starts sending what you said right after that to Amazon for interpretation because it takes a lot of processing power, and it's you know they're not going to put – the whole idea of these things is, they, is the devices are cheap because they were able to send all the stuff up to Amazon in the cloud to do the interpretation and send it back. And, you know, of course, sure, that means that whatever you say after the A word is being recorded and is being saved by Amazon. But hopefully that's like a second or two, right? However long it takes you to say something. And if you ever had one of these devices, like I do, I've got several, actually, um, you know that sometimes they get triggered accidentally. But usually you hear it because it'll, you know, the lights will go on. It'll say, hey, I didn't understand what you were saying, something like that. But in this particular case, what happened was there was a string of events all strung together that just happened to work out perfectly to record a message, ask who to send it to, something about what they were saying sounded like the name of a contact in that person's contact list. The Echo then tried to confirm and said, are you sure, you know, do you want to send it to this person, right? And then something about the conversation, they, they must not have been paying attention to Amazon, to the Echo. Because it, it should have been speaking back to it, which, you know, maybe it was turned really far down. Maybe the volume was all the way down. I've done that myself, um, where I accidentally turned the volume way down so I can't hear what um, the echo is saying back to me. So something about what they said sounded like right. You know, so Amazon said, send it to Carrie Parker, right? And something it heard right after that made it think they said right. So that's a really coincidental set series of events, but it did happen. It, it did manage to record some snippet of this private conversation and send it off to somebody in this person's contact list. Oh, so I'm sure, I'm sure that was all over the news and I'm sure that that gave you pause, but I still have these things in my house so far. <laughs> I haven't taken them out yet. They're really, really convenient. We've got them hooked up to some home automation and some other stuff, but we really, we really like using these things. Um, so, so far I'm not freaked out enough to take them out of my house. Even me, a very privacy conscious person. So take that for, take that for what it's worth. Um, but Amazon's going to try to lock this down some more and these kind of things are going to happen and they're going to tweak their processes and they'll try to get better. What I would really love to see someday is that for somebody, and I bet if anybody would do this, it would be Apple, um, comes up with something that lives in your home so that when you're sending these little snippets of things to be interpreted, it never leaves your house. It's done locally on something that you own, and all these little snippets of recordings are never leave your home. Someday that will happen, uh, and then I will feel much better, and I will probably go full tilt into whatever that product is. But for now, the way this stuff works is as soon as you say that wake word, as soon as you say that one special magic word or a series of words in some cases uh, that wakes these devices up, uh, then it listens, then it sends that little snippet to the cloud and does something on it. And one thing I will tell you in the same conversation I had with Patrick Wardle the, uh, before is there are privacy people watching these things like hawks, which is how this story, by the way, probably one of the reasons the story got made the news. Um, and you can bet that they'll be analyzing these things and looking for that first time when these things start doing something they're not supposed to be doing and that will be all over the news. So, you know, know that there are privacy advocates out there that are watching these things, including me <laughs> to some extent, uh, that will warn you if for some reason these things start going rogue.
<laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, Privacy Badger, which is a really cool uh, browser plugin that I've recommended on this show before. Uh, this is something that you add on to your web browser, like Firefox or Chrome or Safari. Uh, they have extensions or add-ons or plugins that you can that give it extra functionality. And there's a lot of these things that are ad blockers. You've heard of those. Uh, privacy Badger is not technically an ad blocker, but it's a privacy blocker so, or privacy enhancer, I guess. And it's got all sorts of really cool smarts built into it to help stop you being tracked as you go around the web. Uh, for example, um, Facebook like buttons and Pinterest buttons and Google plus buttons, all those little buttons when you go to those websites are tracking you, even if you don't click on them. But uh, tools like Privacy Badger are there to make sure that those buttons can't track you. Well, Facebook and as well as others, Google's done this too for a long time, have come up with this other technique for tracking what you're doing uh, called link shimming. Um and this is really kind of tricky, and you may not have ever realized this is happening, but let's say you go to google.com and you do a search. Uh, it'll show you a whole bunch of links uh, for your search results, right? And if you click on those links, it'll take you to whatever site. Uh, if you look just beneath that, it actually shows you the web address that, that that link will take you to. If you hover over that link, it will show you the same address. However, that is really not the exact address they're sending you to. Under the covers... Google takes the real destination. Let's say it's um, you searched for Amazon. So you got a link to Amazon.com. The real link is embedded in this other link. That is, so it's like a two-step process. So Google, first of all, wraps a bunch of information around that link so that when you click on it, it goes first to a Google site, records a bunch of information about what you did and how you clicked on that link, and then sends you to the site you actually wanted to go to, the site that it showed you. Facebook is doing this as well. And um, I'm not sure why... Uh, Privacy Badger started with Facebook because uh, Google does this too, and I think Twitter does this as well. Um, but what they're basically doing with Privacy Badger now is they're removing all that tracking crap. So, And they're actually sending you to the real website that you're clicking on without all the wrapper stuff that is there to uh, track the fact that you went from this site to that site or that you clicked on this link and left Facebook for some other site. All that information that they're trying to... Uh, Add to that link surreptitiously because if you hover over that link, it's supposed to show you the real link, but it doesn't. It actually fakes it out so that as soon as you hover over that link, it says, oop, oop, takes, takes away all the, 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 the crazy link that they, that's really there and shows you the link that you want to see. But then when you actually go to click it, it puts the back, puts the link shim back so that it tracks all this information. I'm sorry, I, I know it's complicated, but just amazing the kind of things that they're going through to try to track what you do. But then we've got companies like the electronic, well, not companies, organizations um, like the Electronic Frontier Foundation creating plugins like Privacy Badger that are out there trying to stop all this stuff, stop the madness uh, and help protect you. So if you haven't installed Privacy Badger already, go do it. It's a great plugin. It's there to protect your privacy from an organization who knows a lot about it. Um, and this is just one more thing that it's doing for you uh, to stop all these crazy, crazy tracking techniques. All right, here's here's a fun story. Uh, I saw a video of this years ago, and it was just hilarious. There was a guy in a lab with a whole bunch of machines, um, and it, was, it had a disk array, what they call a JBOD, or a, which J-B-O-D, which stands for just a bunch of disks. So it's, uh, it's a big storage array, um, hard drive array. And he had special software that monitored those hard drives looking for 
errors. These guys, you know, these these things have spinning platters in them full of digital information. They're like, if you remember cassette tapes, that was magnetic tape, right? Well, most modern hard drives, unless they're solid state drives, the old spinning hard drives are magnetic media, and it's a spinning platters, sometimes multiple spinning platters inside there with these little itty bitty thin magnetic or electromagnetic um, heads that go over it, kind of like the needle on a record. Uh, if you're, you know, like an old LP record, it looks kind of like a needle on a record, but in this case, that's electromagnetic. And they f- and they fly right over the surface, but they don't quite touch it. They're very, very close, but they try not to touch it because it's that would wear out the disc and actually could scratch it. So anyway, what this guy figured out was um, <laughs> he could he could yell loudly at these hard drives and cause disc errors. So he had the software on the laptop, and I've got a link to this in the show notes. If you want to see this, it's funny. Um, but he could actually show that if he gets right up on these hard drives and yells loudly at them, that it caused drive errors. Uh, in this case, it was moderate. It was it was minor, and these drives are meant to uh, handle drive errors like this to a certain degree. Um, but what these new researchers have, have done, have figured out, is that if you take this to the next level and you actually try to create uh, a specific sound that is the most detrimental to a functioning hard drive, you can actually cause the hard drive to crash, to corrupt data, or the computer to crash just by playing the right signals. Uh, sometimes you could even do it through the computer's own speakers, so, which means that, that you could somebody could send you a WAV file or a sound file, and you double-click that. And if you're playing it loud enough with speakers that are built into your laptop or that are right next to your computer or whatever... If it's playing these tones loud enough, it can actually have a detrimental effect on your hard drive. Now, of course, you know, this is this has got a crazy, uh, you know, maybe, you know, if you're a super spy or something, what you would be doing is you would be, you know, taking some super loud speaker and aiming it at a government office or something and try to corrupt their data. Um, and of course, it would be really loud. This is uh, some of the tones that did the most damage were in the human hearing range. Uh, so it would not go unnoticed, though they have figured out, apparently, according to this research, they figured out ways to do it with ultrasonic stuff, too, which is uh, sound that's above human hearing levels. Um, so it could be more surreptitious. But anyway, I thought that was funny. And it reminded me of the video of the guy yelling at the hard drive. So uh, the upshot of this is computers are extremely sensitive tools, and they've got all sorts of built-in error tracking and things like that to help recover from things like this. But vibrations in particular are an enemy when you're talking about a spinning hard drive. Uh, luckily, a lot of our modern computers now are going towards solid-state drives, which have no moving parts, uh, and this will no longer be an issue. Uh, but I thought it was an interesting story, so I wanted to pass that on. Okay, our last story of the day has to do with uh, VPNs, or maybe VNs would be a better term, because the P in VPN, virtual private network, uh, is semi-non-existent. So <laughs> we've talked about VPNs many, many times in this show, and, and but I'll just cover quickly. So... Whenever you're on the internet, whenever you're talking with your computer to some service out on the internet, Amazon, Yahoo, you know, Netflix, whatever the case may be, whenever you're communicating from your computer or your mobile phone, for that matter, uh, to something that's out on the internet, you're sending data back and forth. If that data is going over an HTTPS link, the S meaning secure, then your communications are encrypted between you and that far end. Because all your little packets, all the little digital bits and bytes that are flying over the internet... Uh, travel through multiple computers to get between you and your destination, routers mostly. Um, not only just your home router, but your internet service providers' routers, and maybe the, the whoever you're talking to, their internet service providers' routers. And then there's all these backbone companies in between. It goes your your packets, your digital info goes all over the place uh, when it's trying to get from you to wherever your uh, your final destination is. But if you have that, in, if you have that 
path encrypted, then nobody between you and there can tell what you're talking about. They can tell that you're talking and they can tell who you're talking to and they can kind of see how much data goes back and forth. There's a lot of metadata they can see, but they can't actually see the communications itself. Okay, so there are still some, and that's getting less and less every day, thank goodness, but there are still some sites out there that are not encrypted. So that if you were communicating with them, technically it's more like a postcard. Anything you're sending could be viewed by any of these computers or computer administrators along the way. And realize that it's um, some of this data is stored off, like it's saved. So it's not like they have to be watching it in real time. They could be watching it later. So from a privacy perspective, sometimes you want to guarantee that even if the website you're talking to is HTTP only, that you can basically enforce the secure part. And that is usually done with a service called a VPN or a virtual private network. It creates what we call a tunnel. And you can think of it like a physical tunnel, um, like an opaque pipe where all the stuff goes back and forth inside this pipe, but anybody outside that pipe can't see what it is. That's sort of like an HTTPS connection, but it's all your connections going through this one big pipe. Uh, so no matter whether the individual connections themselves are encrypted, everything as a whole is encrypted for you. That's the whole idea of a virtual private network. And, you know, they used to be used a lot of times for people like business people who traveled, who need to get onto their work network from somewhere far off land. Uh, and they could connect to their, you know, secure work network uh, uh, privately through this tunnel from wherever they were. And it was just like they were sitting in the office. Uh, in the more recent times, we've used it more as a true privacy tool because, well, let's face it, privacy is <laughs> going out the window these days, uh, particularly with this administration constantly cutting out regulations that regarding your privacy, in particular, your Internet service provider. So I'm not just talking about Comcast and Spectrum and um and Google Fiber and some of these and AT&T that, that are doing your home stuff. I'm also talking about mobile as well. Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, Sprint. Um, these guys are internet service providers too, because when you've got your smartphone and you're trying to get on the internet, then, you know, you're that they become your internet service provider. And these companies just to make more money, because Lord knows they're already charging you a bunch for the service anyway, but to make more money, they are keeping track of what you do. And they're using that to either send you targeted ads or information or selling that information to third parties who do that. And who knows what else? Um, and, and now it's completely legal where it was, you know, there were rules against this. The, the current administration has struck those down and it's now perfectly legal for them to do so. And you can bet they are doing it. So a lot of people are starting to use VPNs all the time. Uh, if they don't trust their internet service provider, they, they fire up a VPN service so that when they're at home, uh, at least they're shielding their, you know, their day-to-day -day activities on the web from their internet service provider who has made it very clear that they are going to keep track of that information and use that to make money off of you. So, um, however, VPNs, good VPNs cost money. You know, these services cost money to run. They can't, they're not free. Um, so when you run across a free VPN service, they think, oh, hey, free, why, why, why wouldn't I do free? You know, okay, maybe they'll send me some ads. That's fine. I don't care. Well, it goes beyond that. So I want to read you um, uh, a little bit from this article that was published in the next web. It says, it isn't unusual to find companies using deceptive practices and trying to market and grow their brands. One niche or niche uh, where this is very rife is the VPN industry. It was recently revealed that, a con that contrary to claims of the, on their websites, 26 of the 117 most popular VPN services log user data despite touting contrary claims in their marketing. That revelation will seem tame compared to finding how, fi findings on how free v VPNs operate. Many openly and brazenly share or sell user data. 
Now that the new GDPR laws, and that's the General Data Protection Regulation, we talked about that very recently on the show uh, in the in the European Union. Uh, now that these new GDPR laws are enforceable, more attention is being focused on how organizations use user data for marketing purposes. When it comes to data abuse, however, VPN providers, particularly free VPN VPN services, are the biggest culprits. Notable culprits include Hotspot Shield with over 500 million downloads, Ola. Uh, with over 152 uh, people using the service, and BetterNet with 38 million users. I'll just stop right there. So there actually there were several companies they talked about. Um, Hotspot Shield is a huge company. A lot of people use Hotspot Shield. It's very popular, um, and it's free. And basically, if you dig into the privacy policies of these companies, they're because they've had to, they've had to get more transparent, but it's still buried deep in their policies. They will let you know that, hey, yeah, we are keeping, we are logging what you're doing. And in some cases, we're taking that information and we're making it available to others to to, to market stuff to you. So it's really not terribly private, even though it's a VPN, a virtual private network. It's not very private. So that brings us, of course, to the tip of the week. And we've talked probably two or three times already on this show about how to pick a VPN service, but it's becoming so... Uh, it's so hard to do, for one thing. It's so hard to pick a really good one because it's so hard to know for a fact which of these services uh, are, are truly keeping your information private. And I'll be honest right now. In most cases, it's it's impossible to really know. In fact, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, who is well, I've already mentioned uh, once in the show, uh, who's out there every day trying to protect your privacy, among other things, they have a whole article on this. And they actually used to have ratings, and they finally stopped because they finally said there's just no way we can pick a really good provider here. They, they're the, the the change all the time. It's really hard to truly know what's going on. You just have to kind of know what the good things are about a VPN services and read through their policies as best you can and, and do it <laughs> and make the best guess. So even they're kind of throwing their hands up. But uh, I, I will at least give you some options that I believe are good from things that I've read. So how do you pick a good VPN service provider? Well, if you really want to get super private about it, um, you should get one that is probably not located inside the United States. Um, if you know, if you're worried about government surveillance, um, I would certainly, or even some corporate corporate surveillance, I would, I would take that to heart. Um, Switzerland, some of the some of the European countries um, that are not part of the Five Eyes or Nine Eyes, uh, Fourteen Eyes programs, which is all these are the, the these countries get together and they share their surveillance data, share their national security data with each other. So um, there's actually a website that has got some really, you know, this, this, this guy goes full tilt and this guy's looking for um, tools and services that are super, super private. Um, it's called privacytools.io. Uh, just like it sounds, uh, the word privacy, the word tools, privacytools.io. Um, and if you go there, there's a whole section on VPN. It's actually toward the top. Uh, and right below the section where it talks about the five eyes, the nine eyes, and the 14 eyes programs, uh, surveillance programs, and uh, um, information sharing programs. Uh, and it gives a list of about 10 different VPN services that, are, that it recommends because, you know, it's based on where they're located and uh, their extreme documentation around not collecting user logs and not saving any information about users. So if you want the full list uh, and a little bit more explanation, I would check there. But uh, let me just rattle off a few uh, that you could go to right now if you're interested in doing this. 
Um, one is called Nord VPN, like as in North, uh, N-O-R-D VPN, Nord VPN. Uh, there's Express VPN, uh, another really one that's highly ranked. It's got good speeds as well as good privacy. Um, I definitely want to throw in their Proton VPN. Proton VPN is from the Proton Mail folks. Uh, the the Proton VPN service itself is free. I think though you have to have a paid, uh, you may have to have a paid email subscription to get it. Though they have a free tier as well. Uh, again, of course, that should be setting off alarms, right? I just said the word free and VPN in the same sentence. How can that be good? Um, these guys do have a money-making model, um, and that is on their pro services or on their upper echelon services. They've basically got free trials. Um, they've got very low-level services that uh, if you don't use much at all, you could try it out for free uh, and see if you like it. But if you use it for anything, you know, anything real, you're going to want to buy one of their services. So um, I think it's like 50 bucks a year for the base service, which I, I pay for it. I forget what I paid, but I've got Proton Mail service. Uh, and if and the Proton VPN comes with that. So again, uh, Nord VPN, Express VPN, and Proton VPN. I'll just off um, the top of my head, these are ones that I would recommend uh, if you're looking for a good uh, VPN service. They work not only on computers; they work on your uh, mobile devices as well. Um, they're great. Uh, if any of those are just too tricky for you, if you find that they're too hard to use or you can't get them set up, uh, another one you might look at is called Tunnel Bear. Uh, T U N N E L. B-E-A-R, Tunnel Bear. Uh, they're very easy to use. Um, it may not be quite as private. In fact, I think they just got bought by another company, which make, gives me some pause. Um, so, but if you know, if you really want a VPN service and you're finding that these other ones are too hard to set up, you might check out Tunnel Bear. All right, and that's going to wrap up our show this week. Thanks again for listening. We'll have another great show for you next week. I'm working on some interviews. I'm trying to get some really good interviews lined up for you coming up soon. Stay tuned for those. And there's plenty going on in the news, so we'll always have something to talk about. I will try to distill it down into words that make sense and bring you the parts that really matter. So tune in every week for that. Of course, you could always check out the website, Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons. I've got blog entries there. You can sign up for my newsletter, which comes out every other week. I try to keep that very short and to the point and with some actionable stuff for you. Uh, oftentimes it jives with what I'm doing here on the show, but not always. Uh, so you can check that out. Sometimes it's nice just to kind of get it delivered straight to your inbox, complete with all the links and information that you need right there. Uh, sometimes it's a little harder to respond to when you're just listening to it. So sometimes it's nice to have the text there. So sign up for the newsletter, please, and uh, tell others as well if you're already signed up. If you really like it, get others to sign up too. Of course, check out the book, Amazon.com. Uh, you can find Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons there. With uh, The book has over 130 tips uh, to help keep you safe and secure. Also makes a great gift. And if you want to you know, support what I'm doing more directly, if you really believe in what I'm doing and you want to make sure that I can kind of keep doing it, uh, go to Patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, uh, and search for Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons. You can sign up there and help support me more directly. And I would very much appreciate that. And again, Please spread the word. I'm trying to reach as many people as possible. And uh, really the best way to do that is word of mouth. And so I'm counting on people like you that are listening to this right now to reach out and find your friends, you know, just suggest this to them. And if, you know, there's so many ways they can consume this information. If they're not into podcasts, you know, sign them up for the newsletter. Uh, if they like, if they would rather have the book, uh, maybe recommend the book to them. Feel free to lend the book to them. Um, just trying to make sure that we, you know, inoculate as much of the populace as possible. Help them, you know, protect themselves, which... In the end of the day, the more people that know this stuff and take these basic precautions, the better we will all be. Okay, and uh, I will see you again next week. Thanks for, again for tuning in, and uh, until then, don't get caught with your drawbridge down. Take care, everybody.